If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. Conscious consumerism is such a trend and it's so Instagrammable that I think it's sort of taken over the environmental movement, at least for like young people. I think it's time for people to grow out of that phase and take the next step forward. As part of speaking up for what we believe in, how can we muster up the courage to say things that are different, haven't been said before, or that might go against the current? And what needs to happen alongside conscious consumerism in order for us to really accelerate positive change? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. Now, I want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, Connecta, which is a digital sourcing platform connecting ethical brands and suppliers to retail buyers across the globe. So if you're a conscious business owner of a retailer or the founder of a conscious fashion or lifestyle brand, this is a platform that can really support, streamline, and elevate your work. I'll tell you more about this later in the episode, but if you want to check them out first, you can head to connecta.co. That's K-A-N-E-K-T-A dot C-O. And now to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is the editor-in-chief of EcoCult.com, president of ethical writers and creatives, and a journalist with bylines in Quartz, Racked, Inc. Magazine, Refinery29, and more. And that phrase in the episode title, Conscious Consumerism is a Lie, that's the title of an article that she wrote and published in Quartz that went viral, essentially saying that it's time for us to put a heavier focus on traditional methods of activism, like supporting nonprofit organizations that are working to push for systemic change that'll then make it easier for us to be the change we want to be, be the people we want to be in this world. I'll link to the article in the show notes at greendreamer.com so you can have a read for yourself afterwards. And also stay tuned because I do ask her about this article in this episode as well. But for now, starting off with what got her into sustainability, Green Dreamer, here's Alden Wicker. 
When I was younger, uh, in elementary school, I went to a summer camp in the North Carolina mountains and we had a huge emphasis on sustainability. It's where I first learned about the concept of overpackaging. I remember because my art counselor held up a box full of individually wrapped granola bars and asked why they needed to be individually wrapped. Um, I also went to a really liberal, um, school in Maryland, uh, for several years and it was there that I learned about political action. Um, and also more about sustainability. Um, and it kept coming up, you know, uh, I took a class in high school, I took a few classes in college. Um, and when I graduated from college, I was still very interested in living sustainably and the food movement was really taking off. And I was wondering, you know, if, if it's important to think about where your food comes from and the fact that it's sustainable, what about where other things come from? Like, uh, fashion and, uh, and anything else. And I was looking around and I was thinking, um, you know, if I really want to live sustainably, it, this probably touches on every single thing in our lives. And so I was looking for more information on that. And, um, that's how I, I got into caring about the sustainability of fashion. Mm-hmm. And through your research, what's one thing about sustainable fashion that really stuck with you? One thing that really shocked me was that there is a lot of misinformation and it's being perpetuated not just by, you know, oil companies, but it's also being perpetuated by people who are on our side. Um, there are certain nonprofits that um, put out figures that they might have found somewhere, but they don't check um, and they they use because it sounds good, but um, it's not true. And so I found that because, you know, as I got more into journalism, you need to cite everything you say when you write an article for a, a quality, um, outlet. And so I was looking for information on leather and information on the fashion industry at large and information on, I mean, anything and cotton. And I would find a fact and I wouldn't be able to chase on that fact. And when I finally would figure out where it come from, it came from, it would be like, oh, this isn't even true or it's been twisted around or it's old. Mm -hmm. And what do you think we can do to stop these misinformation from perpetuating? Uh, you should look at where it comes from. Um, you know, somebody posted the other day like, oh, you know, e-cigarettes give you popcorn lung. And I was like, first of all, I've never heard of this media outlet before. And it is shocking if this media outlet I've never heard of before is the one to break this incredibly, incredibly important piece of scientific news. And someone else did some research on Snopes.com, and it was this this rumor that keeps popping up over and over again. And that applies to a lot of things like, um, you know, fashion being the second most polluting in the world. It's not. Um, I found that out when I tried to figure out where it came from. It comes from nothing. Um, there's no research that shows that. Um, it's probably more around the fourth most polluting, um, according to the latest research. Um, uh, so just whenever someone makes an assertion, ask them where they found that out and uh, be very careful about passing along facts or information when you don't know where they came from. Mm -hmm. It's always key to go back to the primary source instead of just Absolutely. echoing. Yeah, well, you are a rare breed being both a blogger and a journalist. How does your mindset shift when you're coming up with an article on sustainability for a major publication versus for your own blog? That's a really good question, Kamea. So when I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about what I want to write for EcoCult, um, I'm actually thinking about SEO. I'm thinking, 
what are people like curious about? What are people Googling? Um, and, and then I try to, or, you know, what are they emailing me asking a question about? And then I try to answer that question. Um, so, you know, that can be anything from listing out all the best sustainable bathing suit brands because people want to know what they are to, oh, are plastic or clothing made from plastic bottles, um, actually eco-friendly or how do I get into sustainable fashion? Um, when I'm thinking about, um, writing for a larger outlet, um, they have, it's very hard to break into these, um, into these places. Even if you have a great relationship with the editor around sustainability, you have to be writing about something that is new and different, um, and, and, um, smart. So, you know, I pitch all the time and some, and a lot of times those things don't get accepted. And when they do, um, the editor usually works with me to make sure it's the right angle and everything's, um, going well. So, uh, with that, um, I'm not answering a question, but I am teaching people something new. So, you know, did you know, uh, you know, like there are some questions that I answer. I have personally had the question of why, you know, why hasn't the farm to table movement, uh, gotten into high end sushi? Um, it's the same people eating at a farm to table restaurant versus a, a sushi place cause they're foodies, but why hasn't it? But that's not a question that's easily answered on, um, eco cult because it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of research. I have to reach out to the premier experts in the field. And it's a lot easier to do that when I say, Hey, I'm writing for quartz versus, Hey, I'm writing for my blog. Um, so uh, I'm still answering questions and teaching people things, but I'm teaching them different things and I'm tackling larger ideas um, and more complex topics when I'm freelancing. And with that, what have you learned from professional journalism that helps you as an independent content creator? Again, going back to fact checking, you know, when you make an assertion, linking out to it um, and being specific, that's led me to some conclusions that are different from some other bloggers. You know, I was writing something about sunscreen. I'm about to write down like everybody knows that like the like there are a few ingredients that you absolutely must avoid avoid like this this and this and this and I was like oh I can't remember what that list is so I like went to look for that list and I really couldn't find it from a good source and it led me down this path of questioning is the EWG actually based in science it doesn't seem to be um, from what I've read from good sources. You know, what is, what is the science behind oxycodone being bad for us? Um, very scant. That's the crazy thing. And so being a journalist requires me to be impeccable about what I tell my readers and making sure I'm, I'm telling them things that are true. Um, so I think it's elevated. It's elevated uh, EcoCult a lot. For sure. I think that's definitely what makes EcoCult stand out and become one of the leading sustainable fashion blogs out there. What ha what has been one of your biggest challenges building EcoCult from the ground up? Having a blog is really hard work. You are creating content, you are photographing, you are designing, you're fixing things on the back end, and all these duties expand to fill the time and the space that you give them. So the biggest challenge has been making choices about how best to spend my time on EcoCult so that I can support myself, so that I'm serving readers, so that I'm building relationships without, you know, saying yes to too many things that stress me out. Um, it's the challenge has been like really time management and saying yes to the right things and saying no to the wrong things. Mm, and how do you balance that? How do you know what to say yes to and what to say no to? It's really hard. Um, I think as women, we're trained to 
be as helpful as possible, you know, women supporting women. But what helps me say no, let's say, for example, um, students who ask like a list of interview questions or a request request to have a call with me where they interview me for their dissertation. I think it's great they're studying sustainable fashion. I want to help them. But it's helpful to remember back to when I was 21 or 22, 23, and to think about all the emails I sent out to really powerful women I respected and how many times they didn't respond and how I didn't necessarily take it personally or get offended or angry. When that didn't happen, I would just think, oh, you know what? She's really busy and I don't think my ask is good enough yet. That's fair. And I think back to those moments and it makes me feel better about not being able to say yes to every request that I get. For sure. Well, on that note, if someone were to reach out to you today with a request, how can they reach you and get you to respond? Like, what are the key elements that draw you in as someone who's really busy and have to say no to a lot of things? Well, first of all, they should do research on me and who I am and make sure that that I'm the right person to ask. The second thing is to make it super short. I'm so busy. Like it has to be paragraph or less and it has to have an actionable item at the end. Like what specifically are you looking for from me? That's what I would say. And sometimes no matter what you write, I'm still not going to be able to say yes because um, I have to think about like the how I how I value my time. If what you're asking doesn't move the movement forward and it also doesn't move me forward, then then it's really hard for me to say yes when I could be using that time to write or pitch or spend time with my husband. For sure. Well, going back to starting a platform being really hard, if you had to start all over again today from scratch, what would you focus on doing to establish yourself more quickly? I feel like that's a trick question (laughs) because I don't think I necessarily would want to establish myself more quickly it's been a journey, you know, and you learn as you go. And I actually think it's not a good thing to blow up super quickly because if you blow up super quickly, you're more likely to make dumb mistakes in public, right? So I've done some really dumb things, but because I'm not super famous or I wasn't as notable as I am now, I was able to learn from them and sort of like integrate that and then keep going and slowly grow some more. I know I'm not answering your question, but I guess I could answer the question from the perspective of like, what would I have done differently? Um, What would I have done differently? I think I would, I might have picked one thing and focused on that. Splitting my time between freelancing and blogging has some benefits, but also has some drawbacks in in the sense that like, I think my freelancing career would be further along or my blogging career would be further along, but because I'm splitting my energy and time and money and everything else into the two of them, they're along, but they're not as along as they could be. So I think I might've focused a little bit more. So there are valuable lessons to be learned along this entire journey. So overnight growth might not be necessarily helpful or the best way to go. And focus, narrowing down your focus on something can help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something that I admire about you as a writer is your courage to openly talk about things that are controversial or go against what other people might assume to be true. But I also feel like some of these pieces have been among your most viral and engaging ones. So my questions are, number one, do you get nervous before publishing something that you know will be controversial? And number two, what gives you the courage to do it anyway? 
I get a little bit nervous, but when I post something controversial, the reason why I'm confident in posting it is that the job I had before, the startup was around money. Money is a very controversial topic. It gets very heated. And so I became very adept at separating uh, valid, thoughtful criticism from someone who is angry just to be angry. And I got really good at figuring out like, oh, maybe I got that wrong or, oh, maybe there's a different opinion, like figuring that out versus, oh, this person clearly has some issues. And so that really helps me because whenever I publish something, I follow the comments and I'm very quickly able to block people who um, tell me I'm an evil person and I should die and then engage with people who are like, hey, like, I don't think this is right. I disagree. And then I can go in and like talk to them about it. And then the second thing is that because I do so much research, because I give things so much thought, because I cite my sources, I'm very confident that what I'm saying is true or close to true or as true as I can get given the information that is out there about this topic. I think I would be more nervous if I was just throwing things out there, but those things make me confident that I'm putting good out into the world, whether or not people agree with me. Yeah. So again, going back to what you learned from journalism is do a lot of research, know what you're talking about, and then you'll have more confidence to express your opinions. Right. Exactly. And I'm curious from your years being in the sustainability field, what frustrates you most about the eco movement? Uh, I think that there's too much emphasis being placed on guilting people into working harder at being sustainable. There, there was a study that recently came out and I linked to it on one of my most recent um, weekend reading roundups where they showed that to get people to be more eco-friendly, you need to evoke pride instead of guilt. And so... There's that. Like, I don't think this guilting thing has worked for anyone ever. I don't think it works for anything, for sustainability, for being living a healthy life, for being mentally, like, sound, you know? Like, I don't think guilt works. What I do think works is show, being proud of people for doing the right thing, but also thinking about why people do what they do. There's all these things that lead us to make the decisions that we do. The people we hang out with, who our family is, um, our monetary resources, our education levels, um, what's available, right? I always go back to water bottles because there's such a great example of this thing where there was a very insistent widespread campaign by everyone to get people to not buy water bottles anymore. And it's failed, right? It's failed. Why? Because because uh, people don't trust the United States water system because of places like Flint and other places, you know, that you can't trust the water because of advertising, because of um, advertising that makes water bottles aspirational, not advertising that guilts people for they're never like, oh, you're a bad person for drinking municipal water. They're like, oh, man, look how great our bottle of water is. Um, there's the fact that you can't find water fountains when you're out and about. And you're so thirsty, right? Summer, you're so thirsty. You're like, I have to have water. You go into a place and they're like, um, yeah, we only sell water bottles. I mean, I guess we could give you like a plastic lined cup with tap water. So there's that. Um, you know, there's all these forces that get people to buy more bottled water. 
and our guilt tripping is not doing anything. So I think that we're spending too much time throwing scary things at people, sorry, facts and figures, and not spending enough time throwing our lobbying efforts at our local government, federal government, to make it so that, you know, there are water fountains everywhere, that Nestle can't draw water out for two cents a bottle and resell it for for a dollar bottle, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you know where I'm going with this. Um, that's been my biggest frustration. Um, and I think there's this rampant perfectionism in the movement where you feel like, oh, man, like, if I'm not perfect, who am I to say that I want – like, there's this idea that, like, we can't demand the government tax or ban plastic bags unless we haven't ourselves used a plastic bag in a year because that would be hypocritical. No, I want them to tax plastic bags and I want them to ban them because then there will be other ways that it'll be easier for me not to use a plastic bag, right? Like, it makes it easier for me not to use a plastic bag and to, and to be the person that I want to be. And that's why, not not because like, okay, well, like once I'm perfect, then I'll turn around and I'll start working on the system because it's never going to happen. Yeah, I know you're huge on advocating for systemic change. You wrote an article that went viral on courts. Conscious consumerism is a lie. With that, what do you think we need to do to help accelerate systemic change? Um, well, the first thing is I would say if you haven't done so, everyone should pick a nonprofit that they really like around sustainability. It could be a local, it could be a national, it could be international, but, um, and get on their website and slap down your credit card and set up a monthly recurring donation. It could be $5, it could be 50, it could be more than that, but that is their operating budget. And, um, I really think nonprofits are where it's at because they're the watchdogs. They're the experts. They're the ones with the lobbyists that can go to Washington and make a difference. And they need money to do all those things. That's like the first thing I would tell anyone to do is set up that monthly recurring donation. What do you think it was about this article in particular that made it so popular and go viral? I think that a lot of people who read it had a sort of like, Oh, finally, you know, because I think it was really hard for people to say what they were feeling, which is like, man, like I've been working so hard on this for years, right? Like I've been sacrificing. I've been that annoying person in the group. I have been the awkward person at the store. I've been like, you know, taking, I've been biking, to work in, in a snowstorm because I didn't want to take a car. You know, like I yelled at my grandmother for serving me beef strong enough and like nothing is happening. Why? And I think, I think that's why I think it was just this, Oh man, like stop making me feel like a bad person for not living up to these impossible ideals. And because it's not working. So what, what comes next? Um, and I think it also struck a chord because conscious consumerism is such a trend and it's so Instagrammable that I think it's sort of taken over the environmental movement, at least for like young people. I think it's time for people to grow out of that phase and take the next step forward, which is to be a tradition, like a traditional activist and get into politics. For sure. For bigger change, we have to do things that can support that, which is support organizations working on big change. Mm-hmm. Well, with everything that you've accomplished in the past five years, what are you most proud of having accomplished? 
I think what I'm most proud of is I've been messaging more messages lately women who say, or I meet them in person and they are like, Hey, you know, you're, you actually inspired me to get into sustainability. And that's crazy to hear because, um, it's a big responsibility to, to like change the course of someone's life, you know? And I take that responsibility very, very seriously. I'm really proud that people look up to me and that also, I don't abuse that, you know, it's really easy to become popular in this world by overpromising people or holding yourself up as perfect or telling people, Hey, I did it. And I can teach you how, if you pay me money and I haven't done any of that. I just, I just want to keep figuring out what the truth is and sharing that with people. What do you think has been key to you inspiring change in other people's lives? I don't know. I don't know what it is about me. I'm not, um, I'm not like particularly photogenic. My Instagram is not that great. <laughs> I think one of the things is that I am not perfect and I'm like pretty clear about that. I think I make all of this really accessible by saying like, hey, you know, if you want to do this, it's going to be hard, but if you fail sometimes, like, don't worry, you know, that's just part of being human. Um, here's a little bit more information. So, you know, like what to do next. You make it relatable. Yeah. I mean, I was hanging out with a girl today that, um, she's one of the people that actually told me that I inspired her. And, and I, I got linked up with her here in medicine and we went on a tour together and she was saying like, Oh, it's so great to like, you know, she was like, I love quinoa so much, but it makes me feel so guilty. And I was like, oh, actually, like, here's like, I, you know, let me send you some research I just read about that says that it's actually really great for Peruvian farmers. Um, you know, and she was like, oh, man, thanks so much. I want to hang out with you all the time. And I feel like that's what I do for people all the time where I'm like, don't worry. Like, you're not a bad person for this or that. Like, first of all, maybe it's not as bad as you think. Like, here's some more information. Or like, it's not your fault because you're like in the system that is making you behave that way. And so um, don't feel guilty about it. Figure out like how that system can be changed so that you can live up to your own ideals. For sure. So you kind of help wipe away people's guilt that refrains people from taking action and you focus on yeah. what's real. And I don't want them to feel guilty. I do want them to feel pissed. Mm -hmm. Like they should be pissed, pissed enough to want to make big change. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, on that note, what's one of your upcoming projects that we can look forward to? Um, so I think over the, so for the next year I'm traveling. So I'm really excited to be meeting some artisans for ethical brands because, uh, you know, I've been talking about artisans a lot, but I haven't really met. Now I have, I mean, since, like, since we've been through Mexico and Nicaragua and some other places, like I've been starting finally meeting these artisans and seeing their looms and talking to them and learning more about them. So, um, people can expect more of that. And, and, uh, and also just, just more travel, like helpful travel things on EcoCult, of course. Awesome. And where can we follow all of your work online and on social media? Uh, everywhere. It's EcoCult. E-C-O-C-U-L-T. 
Before we go on to our final five, I want to tell you about how Connecta, the sponsor of this episode, can support your work. If you have your own conscious fashion or lifestyle brand, you can apply to sell and automatically gain access to a global market because retailers from around the world will be able to buy your products in bulk as wholesale to sell in their stores. So you can focus on what you love most, the creating, designing, and making. On the other hand, if you're a buyer or owner of a conscious retailer, you can sign up and get immediate access to conscious fashion and lifestyle brands around the world to stock your store with. Connecta vets the brands that join the platform to ensure that they're committed to transparency throughout all parts of their supply chain and that they're taking into account their social and environmental impact. So you can save time with the research part and just focus on sourcing products that you love. The application and sign-up process is free and super easy. Just head to connecta.co to check it out and get started. That's K-A-N-E-K-T-A dot C-O. And now, on to our final five and key takeaways. Let's power through. What's a social media account or publication you follow that really uplifts you? So I write for them, but I also follow them, uh, which is Quartz. It's uh, Q-U-A-R-T-Z. They talk about really big ideas. Um, they want to improve the world. They are honest. They're great journalists. They're super smart. Um, if you sign up for their newsletter, you will learn so much about the world, including sustainable topics. Awesome. I need to do that. Uh, what do you tell yourself to stay inspired and motivated? I don't. I actually don't have a quote that I think about a lot, and maybe I should. <laughs> or how, how do you stay inspired if not a quote? Ooh, um, good idea. Uh, that's a good question. I, I read a lot. I read every day. I'm always curious to find out more about the world. You're a real truth seeker. <laughs> yes. What is one action we can do this week for our planet's health? Uh, pick a nonprofit, set up a mon- monthly donation. What makes you most hopeful for our planet right now? I've noticed that people actually are starting to value experiences over things and to shy away from buying big houses out in the suburbs. So I think that culture shift is going to do a lot of good. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? Be a critical thinker. Don't just take everything at face value. Ask questions, fact check, and be open to finding out something that seems counterintuitive. Keep asking questions, Green Dreamer. Here are my two takeaways for you. Number one, we gotta take everything we read with a grain of salt, and if possible, try to trace things back to the original studies or the primary source, because there's a lot of misinformation out there, and it would really detract from our credibility and the messages we're trying to get across if we were sharing misinformation. And number two, to push for systemic change beyond individual conscious consumerism, support organizations that are doing this at a larger scale. They're often underfunded and just need our ongoing support. I set up my card to support the Lonely Well Foundation on a monthly basis and hope that you'll join me in setting up a monthly donation to an organization that you want to support. Honestly, it could be like $2, $5, $10, totally up to you, but every little bit adds up. If you do take action on this, I'd love for you to share it in your stories or a post, tagging the organization you're supporting, and also tagging three friends to join you in setting up a tiny monthly donation to environmental organizations of their choice. Like, what if we could create a ripple effect to really support all of these organizations working so hard to do such amazing things starting from right here? Again, Alden's done this, I've done this, and if you haven't already, I'm nominating you right here and hope that you'll be able to pass this on. 
But there, that's a wrap. It's time to go out there and to make some waves. You can find the show notes and link to our sponsor, Connecta, at greendreamer.com. I will catch you maybe on Instagram at Kamea Shane. And just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and Green Dreamer. I will catch you later.